Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. This is it. We're live. Back to Conversations. Caitlin's turning my volume down. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, yeah, no, man. Once we hit it, we hit it. Okay. That's how we do it. No turning back. So we're here, Z, talking about authenticity. Interesting topic in today's world. Because we look around, and there is such an incredible dearth of authenticity. And I think back, and I wonder when we, as a society, just went completely off the rails with regard to influencers and celeb culture. And I think about this in my lifetime because I've seen a pretty big change. I always think back to the 90s and there was that show on MTV, The Real World. And we were following people around and watching all of the mundane details of their life to no real effect, no point. And then there was fake drama in there to get the audience to pay attention. So instead of living on your own, doing things that are interesting for you, you spend your time following these characters, which maybe isn't all bad. I don't know. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. I, I certainly watched the show at times and found it entertaining. But that was the precursor to this increasing level of, of facade that we've seen. So we go from there. We had that show Survivor in the late 90s, early 2000s, where you got a bunch of people on this island and they had to band together in coalitions, and this was a big topic of conversation. And as the seasons progressed, the drama would become more and more transparent. We went from there, you had Paris Hilton, who maybe was the original celebrity influencer. From there to Kim Kardashian, the entire Kardashian family has built this empire based on nothing except being celebrities, and maybe some sex tapes lurking in the background. And then at some point we hit social media and now every other person you meet is an influencer. Uh, they've got their YouTube channel. They've got their Instagram. They're on TikTok. Uh, they're trying to figure out what content is going to make them go viral. And it's a hell of a thing. And it's interesting for us because we're trying to exist in this world. We have our media project. And the entire world's attention seems to be tuned into social media. So we need some presence over there. And at the same time, social media embodies everything that we talk about that is inauthentic, that's detrimental. It's people trying to get attention for the sake of getting attention. It's kind of like a shouting contest. If you've got someone shouting loudly, you've got someone else who's shouting even more loudly. If someone dumps a bowl of food on their head. Maybe that worked 10 years ago to get people's attention. Now, as you say, Z, you've got people licking toilets. You've got this whole phenomenon that we've seen where influencers who seem to have this fabulous life on, on the internet end up killing themselves because their lives are completely devoid of substance. There's nothing meaningful that they can anchor to. So they're just tethered to celebrity, which is incredibly unstable because as soon as something more interesting comes along or the whims of the crowd change, 
suddenly your entire reason for being disappears. And it's as though you never existed. If you don't have anything else going on in your life, I've got to imagine that's devastating. It's like, who am I? What am I doing here? But that's the world we live in, and we keep on moving in that direction. And even beyond social media, you see it in the news. There's extreme polarization. In my view, a lot of that is driven just by the need to get attention. What can I say that's more outrageous from someone else? How badly can I scare people so that they listen to what I'm saying? And it's a strange time that we live in because you end up, number one, not being able to trust information. And two, it becomes very hard to have actual relationships. How can you deal with someone if you don't know who they actually are? And they don't even know who they are. They've lost touch with anything fundamental about themselves. Any authenticity has gone out the window. How can you forge a meaningful relationship, connect at some human level, when you don't even know what you are? So, as we often do, when we get on these topics, we go back to the Vedas, the Mahabharata, some of the classical texts, to get some context. Because I want to talk a bit about the cost of being inauthentic. And we were talking earlier about the story of Kunti in the Mahabharata. So she was the mother of the five Pandavas. But she also had a sixth son, who was her oldest son. And he was born out of wedlock. And she was born. he was born when she was a young girl. And she was so ashamed. Uh, she didn't know whether she would be chastised, how she, she would face her, her parents, her family. So she took this baby and put him in a basket, floated him down the river. And didn't look back. But this haunted her her entire life. So she was never truly happy. And as the story evolves, the five brothers who were legitimate, plus uh, this sixth brother who was illegitimate and people didn't, he was adopted by someone else. So people didn't know that he was Kunti's son. The two, uh, the sixth brother ends up fighting against the five brothers in this great war. And they didn't know that they were two sides of the same family. They were brothers fighting against another, each other. And Kunti was watching this and it tore her apart. And finally we get to the end of the story. And she just can't live with this anymore. And, and the truth comes out and everyone is in shock. They just went through this battle, slaughtered millions of people. How much of that could have been avoided? If the truth had been present, if she'd owned her decisions. And what was the cost of that, not just to humanity more broadly, but the cost to her personally? She couldn't live with herself. This thing was eating her up. She felt unhappy. She never smiled one day in her life. So that's the cost of being inauthentic. We end up at war with ourselves, or at the very least out of touch with ourselves. So I want to get your perspective on this. And you're an interesting person to talk to because you have fewer of these conflicts about who I am. And when I look at myself or I look at most people that I deal with, there's some level of incoherence. There's some internal conflict. It's like you want to be one way, but you feel that you can't be that way or there's something that's holding you back. Which is really what we're talking about. It's a, maybe more of a subtle form of being inauthentic. It's not going out and actively trying to project yourself as one thing, but it's not being comfortable in who you are. 
for whatever reason. And one of the things I've always admired about Yuzi is that you've got that coherence. You just are who you are. Now, maybe you adjust the way you deal with people depending on the person. Some people maybe can't handle certain certain words. You might push certain people harder than other people. But you're always yourself. And it's not just when I interact with you, there are many people that I know who know you well, who all say the same thing, that you're always Z, no matter what the situation. So a couple of things that I thought we could explore today. One, what does it mean to be authentic? How do we cultivate that authenticity? And if we're not being authentic, what does that do to us? What's the impact on our health? So our, our mission here, folks, is always to mitigate human suffering through these philosophical or, 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 or shared knowledge offerings, right? And so, Vin, I want to go back over something you talked about before I, I get deeper into the point, is with Kuntima. Now, Kuntima never turned her back on, on Radia, but what she did do was secretly make sure that the family that adopted him always had a little more than enough. So they always thought that the baby brought them good luck. When they found that little boy floating down the river in a bassinet with expensive jewelry on, they knew he was special, but they were such a pious and spiritual family, they never, uh, they thought the most special thing about him was that they couldn't have a child and they found this beautiful child. From a distance, Kunti would provide fortune for them. Some way she would arrange for them to stumble across good fortune. Or if they needed something or if they were in need of something, it would suddenly appear. So she was always suffering and watching from a distance and doing her part. Also, though she was the mother of these uh, six children, her some of her sons were not hers by birth. Nakula and Sahadev were the uh, children of her husband's second wife. But she never treated any of the kids different from the kids she gave birth to. And it shows something about the struggle of the soul of a person. We're not... This idea of purely good and purely bad, purely moral and purely amoral, this is the whole idea of authenticity or sincerity, is self-ownership. When the brothers were tasked by the, uh, in the Yaksha Prasna at the lake, and Yudhishthira was asked a number of questions on virtue, his brothers had been slain, and the, 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 the monster of the lake had killed his brothers, and he was asked, which brother do you want to um, bring back to life? He chose one of his half-brothers, not his full brother, because he said that all my brothers are lying here dead. I'm alive, and I'd like my youngest brother, who is my half-brother, to also be brought back to life so that my dad's second wife, who is also a mother to me, will be left with one son. So both of my mother's will not lose all of their sons. That is one of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard. Because he was about to face this great war. 
And he didn't choose the strongest, the best fighters. He chose not, as he said, I would not, even for the sake of the world, I would not sadden the heart of one mother to gladden the heart of another. Thus, I will lose the world, but I won't make my mothers cry. So the struggle of authenticity and sincerity are those kinds of struggles. They don't leave you dancing in the rain like you're in some old Gene Kelly movie or something. They weigh heavy on your heart when you're sincere and authentic. But that heaviness of the heart leaves you with a quiet, deep peace. That quiet can be haunting, it can be lonely, it can be many things that are not necessarily comfortable in the moment, but long term it is the it is the most peaceful state one could be in. It has its own burdens. Because in an inauthentic world that rewards insincerity and authenticity, you will find yourself not fitting into large crowds because they offer you nothing. As you become a more authentic person, you will find that you probably won't be a successful YouTuber. You won't be able to tell people, hey, I'm a YouTuber. You probably won't be able to say, hey, I'm an internet influencer. I'm the authentic influencer. I'm the sincere YouTuber. That doesn't mean there isn't good stuff on there. But the very fact that you take on that title means you have to appeal to a large number of people. And you have to appeal to them on the lowest round of the lowest denominator in order to appeal to the masses. Authenticity is very uh, intimate. Authenticity has a lot of sentiment associated with it. You were teasing me earlier about, did you really make a promise to a dying teacher? Yeah, I really did make a promise to a dying teacher. And through many hardships, In my quiet of my own heart, I've tried to live up to that promise. That's why all of us are here today. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this show. Because I made a promise to a dying teacher 30 years ago. It hasn't been a joy ride. It hasn't been that singing in the rain thing. It's been something else. It's been all seasons of life. But I have remained on a beautiful path of self-realization. Have I reached some high level of spiritual evolution? No. I'm still walking that path. And that path is a crooked path. It's a bumpy road. But I see the path through the desert, through the forest, through the barren times, through the hot and cold. I I still see the path. And that's what authenticity gives you. I've shared with you the stories of people who are grossly inauthentic and insincere that we deal with every day, who have said to me, Z, you, you really helped my health and, and, and even bettered my life, but I don't like you. 
I don't like the way you spoke. Or my wife or my girlfriend or my boyfriend. They don't like the way you talk. You don't speak in a way that makes them feel special. I don't do that because I'm authentic and sincere and nobody's that special. Right? What do we say? Eight billion people and what? Ten different stories. Ten different stories. So if we could not succumb to the shallow desires of the ego to seek empty grandization, we could get on with doing the best thing in the world, which is living every day and living a good life. In this world right now, we reward inauthenticity. We reward people who are insincere with platforms and station. We often either are indifferent to or demean those who are authentic and sincere because it didn't please us. I prefer to be around people who may say things that are off-putting but act in a wonderful way. And I have a lot of people in my life like that that are awkward. They say things that the masses of people might be disturbed with them hearing. Yet their actions, their behavior, their investment, their sacrifice into things that are nurturing, good, holistic, uplifting, and sustainable, they do it like saints. I have saints in my life. Sincere, authentic people that support what we do, support us, encourage me every day. But if you were to meet them in the context of the insincere, you would be put off. Maybe they're not speaking in the common way of correct speech. Maybe they laugh at jokes that are considered off-limits by the laugh police. Maybe they hold social ideas that are ever flowing, but maybe they're on the right side of the road or the left side of the road. But in the middle of the road where we meet, they are good to me. They value the depth of our relationship. Every day I study, I strive, I learn from the people around me. In order to do that, I have to accept that I don't know everything. So I'm open to learn. I'm open for criticism. And when I come back with that, that, that burden of knowledge from that experience, I share it openly so that I can get more. I don't care about titles. Some people call me Master Z. Some people call me Dr. Z. Some people just say Z. And they'll say, oh, I want to be respectful. What should I call you? I say, whatever's in your heart, that's how you respect me. Whatever you want to call me, whatever I am to you, and you identify me that, if it's from an authentic place, I will respect that. But if you feel forced, if you feel compelled, if you feel like you need to put on a show, then just pass on by. Authenticity takes a burden of stress away from you. Stress kills us. It undermines our immune system. It undermines our mental health. If you feel you can't speak freely around people, understand the orbit and limit of that relationship. Because I understand we have to deal in the world with all manners of people as part of human commerce to get things done. 
So when you meet people you can't be sincere with, limit your energy and your time that you spend with them. If you're with people that have a, a unique way of speaking, think about the, the, the wise traveler who travels the world with no set journey. And wherever they go, they sit with locals and they get to understand the customs and courtesies of that area right away. The first thing they learn in a foreign language is how do I greet people and how do I say thank you? Next thing you ask is how do I ask where the bathroom is in a polite way, right? Wherever you go in the world. It's the basic things you want to know. If you're not doing that, you're angry and you're in an urgent state. Think about that. So you're confined to a tour bus, a tour guide, so you never really see the place. You never get to know. You never get to expand. But you don't have to leave the country or leave your city to be a, a, a wise traveler. Look at the people in your life. Can we, can we really speak sincerely? Can we speak authentic, authentically? Can I have an authentic... That's how you grow and change. Many people in the social world, that their income is derived from their social intercourse, they have found themselves limited because in appealing to one side, they have alienated another. But because they were insincere in their appeal to the other side, they can't really go back on what they did. Every day, the media mocks these people because the media in its own inauthenticity and insincerity, it loves suffering of others. It loves to see the fall from grace of people. Love it. I mean, they can't get enough of it. Because when you're inauthentic and insincere, you want to, to create the metric of sincerity and authenticity not based on what it is, but what it's not. So you look for people who are less authentic than you. Worse than you. Isn't that what we look for? We love to see the fall of the moralist, conservative minister, preacher who's caught uh, at the, the Boys and Girls Club butt naked, right? We, we love those stories. <laughs> I mean, I can't get enough of those stories. Because <laughs> That's they, what you're studying? Because they, they promoted <laughs> a level of morality and authenticity and sincerity that they themselves don't have. And everybody else watches and say, oh, I'm not as authentic as, as Reverend Bob. I'm not as good as Reverend Bob. I, I, I wish I could be. You know, I, I, have, uh, I, I have fantasies about uh, my secretary or something. And old Brother Bob, he doesn't feel that way. But when you find out Brother Bob was busted in the bushes at the Boys and Girls Club, then you, all of a sudden you feel better. How about you just own yourself to start with? How about you own yourself? See, that's sincere. That's authentic. What if you, uh, like Yudhishthira, he was addicted to gambling? Lost the whole freaking world. What made him the most virtuous man in the world? His gambling addiction? No, he owned his gambling addiction. That's what made him, he owned his shortcomings. He did everything else stellar. 99% of his life was stellar. 1% he was a gambling addict. 
And he never shied away from that. He says, there's some things I got to work on. That's one of the most beautiful things you can say. You know, I got to work on this. I got to work on this. And if somebody points it out, you say, thank you for pointing it out. Don't point out their shortcomings. Point out yours and say, hey, I'm glad. Thank you for pointing. That's an authentic person. Imagine the weight that's off your shoulders when you live your life in an authentic way. Yet, per my earlier caution, understand that you may never become a YouTuber or an influencer if you're sincere and authentic. You follow me, Ben? Yeah, Z, this point about stress that you make, in my mind, is paramount. You just think about all the weight that people carry around beating themselves up about what they're not or being ashamed. Shame is another big emotion that doesn't have a lot of value, that's very draining. Like, oh my God, I can't let people find out about my secret or oh, I'm just so horrible. I'm such a disgusting individual because I fantasize about sex or I don't know, whatever weird shit that people do. So there's all of this mental churning. There's the self-flagellation. There's this sense of never being complete, never being whole. And if you've always got that, you can never be at peace. You're in this battle, and it's a battle you can never win because it's you against you. So even if you win, you lose. You come out in some state of distress because you're not authentic. Because there's a part of you that you wish weren't there. And if you imagine what it would be like, as you describe, to just own yourself. Be clear on what you are. If there's something you don't like about yourself, fix it. If there are things that you like that other people don't like, own it. You don't need to wait and wonder what other people are thinking. You don't need to adjust yourself to whatever fleeting standards come up in society, which is another issue. Because even if even if you said, I want to be what other people want, what they want is constantly changing. So how can you even do that? It doesn't make any sense. Practically, there's no way. You, you end up driving yourself insane. And that's where you get into these situations that we talked about. You get the Robin Williams, the Anthony Bourdain's, who it looks like they have everything in the world and they're just depressed and you don't realize it. But under the surface, that unstable foundation is something that they can't handle. It creates too much pain to even exist. I'd rather kill myself than deal with this pain that I'm feeling. So this authenticity point, I think from a health standpoint, it makes a tremendous amount of sense if we can own ourselves it's just more efficient. We don't have to second-guess ourselves. We can move with more authority, more conviction, get more things done, have that clarity, that peace of mind, cut out the anxiety that we've talked about, which is so detrimental to health. I think there's another more philosophical aspect of this that I want to explore with you. Because we've talked about what virtue means and what morality is. And we can go back to the story of Yudhisthira. And the fact that he was a gambling addict. 
even though he was a gambling addict, he was the most virtuous man and he made it up to the heavens at the end of the story. And even throughout the story, while he was still on the earth, he was a son of Dharma, Dharma of, uh, of righteousness. And he was held up as the most virtuous man who walked the earth. Yet he had this problem. Now, what we're saying is he had this problem, but he owned the problem. He was true to himself. He knew what he was. He knew what he wasn't. And that made him virtuous. But I want to push this a little bit and get your take on this. So is virtue really about being authentic? I mean, let's take an extreme example. So let's say we've got someone, your preacher Bob, who's in the bushes with the Boys and Girls Club. Or you got someone who, a Jeffrey Dahmer who goes and kills people and puts their hearts in his freezer. Now, I, I don't know what goes through the these people's minds. I don't know if they're torn up inside or they're not. But let's say you have a Jeffrey Dahmer type. And he's like, you know what? This is just me. This is who I am. I, I know there's a cost to it. I know I'm going to go to jail. I might be executed. Sorry. Yeah. This is me. Virtuous guy. Virtuous guy. So, so talk to us about that. Here's the common mistake that we make. What makes us phony. What makes us insincere. It's almost like in the Christian Bible, they're stoning somebody or they're getting ready to stone somebody. And, and one of these stories, I, I, I get it wrong. Christians, you can chime in and call Caitlin if I get it wrong. But it says something like this. It says, he who was without sin cast the first stone then nobody could pick up a damn rock because they were going to want a sinner, right? So Jeffrey Dahmer, sick, twisted things that he did, but he owned it. Did you see him when they caught him? He's just like, yeah, okay, the gig is up. My meals are over. My life is coming to an end. Yeah, okay, the guy's virtuous. That, that, and, and what is morality except what the group standard is? What's moral for one group is immoral for another. They have um, uh, polygamy in many cultures. And in that culture, that's moral. Other things are amoral. Other things are without, you know, the, the, that, that, that they don't follow the social story. So let's just be clear on where we're at. We're talking about authenticity and sincerity. Guy walks up to you and says, hey, I'm a Jeffrey Dahmer type cannibal. You want to hang out? No. I ain't mad at you, buddy. But that's not my thing. It's the same way with, with people's uh, uh, sexual preferences. You know what? It's private. How about that? I'm not trying to bump uglies with everybody I meet. So whatever you're doing is your business. Just own yourself. Don't say you're one thing and do another. When I talk to people of different beliefs, different religions, different... I always listen to them and I observe, are you the best ambassador of whatever your titling is? If you say you're a Jew and the purpose of what is the tenets of Judaism, if you don't even know what the Judas, tenets of Judaism, you're not really a good Jew. You're, just, you're insincere, you're inauthentic. If you're a good Muslim, are you following the tenets of Islam? If that's what you say you are. That's what I'm talking about. See, Jeffrey Dahmer was better than a lot of these people because he said what he was. 
people say one thing and they they're not that the inauthentic because they, it, it is it is like a, it's like a thief in the night and it weighs heavy on you because it takes a lot to maintain the facade it takes a lot to be phony I was telling somebody today that for me as a a wellness provider health and wellness provider my first course of medicine is being an example of what the hell I'm talking about. So I try to do a little workout something every day. I watch my diet every day. I acknowledge the challenges of my health and well-being every day because that's what I promote. That's what I hope to be an example of. So for me, the it, it's easy so I don't have to tell you one thing and then, you know, uh, go and eat gummy bears and pig ears at night and then have to vomit so you won't smell the pig ears and gummy bears on my breath the next day while I'm trying to promote some view of health, right? Rinse the cigarette smoke out of my mouth or something while I go on YouTube and promote the latest frontier in health. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of friggin' energy that could be going to a better place. So when we talk about authenticity and sincerity, we're not speaking the same language as someone who has some sort of moral register. We don't live in that age anymore. We live in an age of extreme polarization, extreme tribalism, and we're looking first, the path is through authenticity and sincerity. And if you do that, it will really go a long way in reducing an untold burden on yourself. Forget everybody else, just on yourself. If you don't know something, ask. Don't just walk around saying, I know, I know, I know, I got it. No, you don't have it. It's like what a lot of people are going through in the hospital. They have John Henryism, right? Where they look at African-American people and they see that they die of diseases. Other people don't die. They have a short life expectancy. This sort of thing. Why? Because of the stresses of racism. That's what they say. Scientists say that. There's an extraordinary stress that black people are always under. Everybody knows it. Nobody's jumping in front of the line and says, I want to be black. There's nobody, there's not a single person that's knocking me out, elbowing me out of the way to be black. You understand what I'm saying? Because everybody knows it's hard. Everybody knows you're going to get cheated. You're going to get exploited. Uh, you know it. Then don't don't be inauthentic and say, "Oh, this isn't true." Those things are over. No, they're not. Look, then trade places with me. So when I go to the hospital and watch my blood pressure tick up, watch my veins constrict, watch my rearview mirror, Worry about my child's life. Worry about my son surviving till they're 30 years old. You don't have to do that every minute of every day. But then to turn around and to deny me that that exists, you're out of your mind. And it takes a lot to be in that frame of disingenuous frame. Because you have to build a lot of fact factories, phony fact factories, to make that so. And then you have to get with a bunch of friends who support your lie. Right? And we can look at a lot of things. What about the inauthenticity of us as a collective society 
that doesn't look at the epidemic of obesity. I was talking to somebody today about it. They were so uncomfortable discussing it. The guy was in shape, had some health issues, and we were just talking about the world, talking about the Kofifi, talking about all the different versions of Kofifi. I said, you know what people aren't talking about is that, as we say all the time, the vast majority of Westerners or Americans and so are metabolically compromised. Most people walk around sick anyway. I, I what, what would it hurt to say that? Would it hurt to look over to your friend or lover and say, you know, uh, baby, um, you got a little extra poundage over there. Let's get on a, let's work on uh, getting our health together. Then they get mad at you and divorce you because you call them fat. But they get on the scale and the scale says fat. You got weird things happening to your body, weird odors, your immune system's collapsing. So you know we haven't made love in a long time. Well, you know, the libido operates like a an inspired artist. If your senses aren't aligned, then the body doesn't want to do the do. So it's a lot of ways you can turn off the libido. And the libido is part of the mechanism of breathing where we want to breathe. So we're two, you know, horses running down the, running through the fields. And I see a horse with a nice gallop, good muscle tone. Nice sway of the tail. I want to chase it. I want it to run a little bit. It gets a little out of wind, out of breath. I feel alive. Ooh. Now, if I see a horse with a limp, sway back, tail broken off, too heavy to move, uh, smells funny, I'm not that interested. Things don't work. Be real. We can fix ourselves, but you have to be sincere enough to accept the criticism. Be a self-critic. Right? Don't don't blame other people. That's inauthentic. You know quietly in your own heart. You know if 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 you're not taking care of yourself. But then you you go on to YouTube or you go to an influencer, they say it's okay. Don't be fat shamed, don't be stink shamed. Don't be bad breath shamed, don't be gingivitis shamed. Right? Don't be limp shamed. Don't be uh, whatever shamed. Own everything you are. Just be proud of your slothfulness. Let's have a let's let's really cancel the anti-sloth people. Telling us to get off our ass and do something. That's so wrong. There's somebody on YouTube saying that. And they have a million followers. It's inauthentic. It's insincere. It lacks virtue. Withdraw from that madness. Take care of yourself. Be authentic. In this world, if you live your life right, half people love you, half people hate you, but everybody will have a, a certain level of reverence for you. Can't please everybody. Not everybody will like you if you're authentic and sincere. They're not supposed to. You're not an influencer. You're not an entertainer. An entertainer's job is based on having a lot of people like them that they have no connection to. 
And you can get an audience of authentic people who really dig you. It's like comedians. There are certain people that follow certain comedians. Used to be, not anymore. But there are people that would go to every Richard Pryor joke-telling thing. There would be the comedian, like, there's a comedian, Bill Barr. He'll always have an audience because his humor is sincere. And he says stuff that other people are scared to say. Isn't that something? That you can make a living saying things that other people are scared to say that are reasonably factual. Isn't that something? Is that amazing that we live in that kind of world? It's almost sad that authenticity and sincerity are so rare. You can develop a cult following. Just like on the opposite, if you're licking toilets, you'll get 10 times as many people. If, you, if you're a freak show of inauthenticity and sincerity, you can have people hover around you too. But if you're sincere and authentic, you're only going to have a, a, a small portion of that, of admirers. Isn't that interesting? But those admirers are healthy, it's sustainable, it's nurturing, it's encouraging. Just like as an individual, if you are sincere and authentic, you'll always have a small number of people that have a deep and rich relationship with you. It will be of high quality and of deep character. I would choose that. But again, that's me. So we talked about this concept and why we might want to be authentic and opt out of just this collective facade that we find ourselves in. So if I think about implications, we're always talking about what the solutions are. One is pretty clear, and you mentioned that at the beginning, which is at times you might have to be lonely. You might have to step back from the influencers and the YouTubers. You might have to change jobs if you're out there licking toilets or standing at the edge of a cliff taking footage of that, hoping you don't die in your last social media post. So that to me is pretty clear, just the nature of the world that we live in. We can't change these trends that are in place. We can manage them by stepping back, by cultivating a strong foundation in ourselves. That's the self-ownership, the self-possession, knowing what we're all about, leading a life that we find meaningful, substantial. So if we get into that second part for a bit, I want to maybe wrap this up with your thoughts on the internal conflict that people face. Because uh, part of authenticity, as we talked about, is just the nature of society, and we can pull back from that. Part is this this state where we're at war with ourselves. And you and I have talked about this. This is something that I have challenges with. I think my authentic self is perhaps different than how I was raised and how I've been trained to operate and present myself. And that creates conflict a lot of the time. I can think about people who grow up with parents who have certain ideas of what they want their children to be. So you're trained to always do really well in math and science. Maybe you want to do art. You're trained to be a doctor. Maybe you don't want to be a doctor. Maybe 
you're told to be straight and you're gay, whatever it is. But you've had this idea put into you, part idea and part just habit cultivated over the years of presenting yourself in a certain way, which isn't necessarily consistent with the way you would naturally express yourself. And what that means is you end up stifling that natural expression. And that can create a certain sickness if you're not being true to yourself. It can create that anxiety. It can cre also, also just create a frustration and a longing to do the things that you want to do. But at the same time, if you go down that route, you've got that conflict and you end up beating yourself up. Or even worse, you don't know how to go down that route. We've talked about how when slavery was abolished, you had slaves just standing around because they didn't know what to do. What do I do with my freedom? Where you open up the cage in a zoo and the animals just stay there because that's all they know. They've been raised that way. They, they're they not wild anymore. They've been domesticated. So give us your perspective on that. I mean, if we're dealing with some of these issues where we have this internal conflict, we're not necessarily able to present the most genuine part of ourselves. Maybe we don't even know what that is. Maybe we're just out of touch with it. Give us some guidance. How do we get back in touch with our authenticity? I would say observe the world. Be a good Taoist. Observe the phenomena, the conditions and circumstances of humanity. In this world where there's an endless stream of information you can just pick from the ether sphere, observe the conditions of people. A few areas. I was reading this article about some young girl that won the spelling bee recently, and she just decided, I'd like to do a spelling bee. And she began every day studying a couple of hours in the evening. Words. Just a few hours evening. Later on, she won the national spelling bee. Created a huge controversy. Because what I didn't know is that those kids who are winning the spelling bees are being tutored for 10 to 12 hours a day. And once they lose the bee or go age out of the bee, most of them have mental health and emotional issues. Ah, da-da. Oh, I'm shocked. I've been drilling this kid for 10 to 12 hours a day on um, how to, various ways to spell abacus. And now they, they have no sense of self. They've achieved uh, the state of lost soul. So I think about the lack of sincerity in the parenting, that the kids don't like that. What kid wants to be tutored for 10 to 12 hours a day? What child on God's good earth that you know about? I was just disgusted. Did you know that? Did you guys know that they train these kids? No. You think... You think Gymnasts are brutal. They have various pedophiles and perverts stretching kids and pushing them to their bones are bad. <clears throat> Thank God now we live in a world where people are speaking up, rejecting this kind of behavior. How unhealthy is that? But the upside of it, the little girl who won the bee did it because she liked it. Wouldn't that be beautiful in a sincere in authentic world, people did things that they believed in and they loved. Look at our political situation of the day. 
So through four different presidential administrations, this war with Afghanistan, this visiting the graveyard of empires, has cost countless lives, uh, trillions of dollars in national resources. And not one person in leadership had the courage to be authentic and sincere enough to say, stop it. Just stop it. Not one of them who promoted it could define what they were doing. Over 20 years of inauthenticity, insincerity. Not that the current administration is sincere. Who knows what their underlying motives of it. But imagine a world that is so devoid of authenticity that even the so-called leaders over 20 years could not go to the people that they are the voice of and say, uh, this is a shit show. This place is known as the graveyard of empires. If you go in there, your empire is buried, it dies, you lose resources and people to no benefit, to no benefit, to no benefit. As for those who did it, now you have to come up with stories which are inauthentic and sincere why it was the, the, there was a nobility in the death of your child. Right now they're scrambling. You read, they're just scrambling trying to frame it in a way that yeah, your child died for a good cause. No, they didn't. That life was wasted. They chose to go there. Nobody put a gun to their head. But you, you just wasted your life. You created orphans. You created parents that have outlived their children. And not one. So whether you're a right or left wing, all of them were inauthentic and insincere. Then you tell them, well, we were going there for human rights. We're going to you know, we're going to go talk to China about human rights. Why don't you hear this? So for those of us who are opt-outs, we, we just know how to filter this. Well, we don't like the way they're treating the Uyghurs in China. I know I care about that. Stop lying. You don't even know how to pronounce it. And then the UN came to the United States to do a UN human rights violation. They said, yeah, you're pretty much on par with Myanmar with some of the worst places in the world, just the fact that you have more prisons, more prisoners, former slave, descendants of former slaves who are prisoners for random reasons than any nation on earth. Don't be so insincere. Own it. Just say, yeah, we do that. Afghanistan owns this graveyard, but why don't the U.S. owns it? Hey, we're human rights violators. We're in for the money, baby. It's all about the Benjamins. Just say it. Just say it. We're a mercenary army for the interests of the military-industrial complex. Say that, and then you, the gates to heaven will open up to you because you're just like they did for you, just because you're so sincere. But remember, the minute you say it, you got to own it. Then you got to justify it. Then maybe you'll change what you're doing. Maybe then. For those of us who want to be healthy. Throw overboard the burden of insincerity, of phoniness, of smiling on cue, 
of tap dancing at the first uh, sign that perform. Surrounding yourself with people you can't be honest with to the point where you don't even know who you are anymore. You've been lying so long, you don't even have an idea what truth would be like. That weighs heavily. It shortens your life. It denies you of the joys of life. Stop looking outside yourself for other people to uh, tell you that you're, you're extraordinary. No, you're not extraordinary. You're just, just another person. Be okay with that. But this is an extraordinary life under amazing circumstances. That's as good as you're going to get. That's as good as you get. Okay, so there's the news. There's the news. So if we can let go of this idea that we should influence, please be positioned, achieve stardom and notoriety, there's a weight lifted off. Vin, you know, as I've traveled, you've traveled me different places I've gone and people I've met. I have ne- I, I've, I don't have the desire to have fame and fandom. What do I have the desire to do? I have the desire that the people in my life are doing well and that I don't get bad news and that I, in my efforts, did my best to make my world better. There's a quiet peace with that sincerity. Every day, even through struggles, depression, challenging times, uh, difficult financial times, whatever it is, one thing I never end my day with is a sense that I did nothing with my life. It's a beautiful feeling. Again, we're not looking for the singing in the rain moment. I'm just looking for contentment, which is very healthy, allows you to be resilient, good for your body, good for your brain, good for you. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, it's interesting, Z, because as you're talking, the stress we've already mentioned, you can feel that weight lifted off your shoulders. You can move through the world with some ease and some peace of mind. The other aspect, which you just brought up, uh, to me is also equally interesting, which is your life is about something. And we're not here to define what that should be, but whatever your standards are, choose a life based on those standards. And that's one of the advantages of sincerity because it forces you to own yourself. It forces you to look at what you're doing and say, am I meeting my definition of a life that's worthwhile, of how I want to live? Can I hold my head up? Can I look at myself in the mirror? And I think as we go through this, a lot of times we talk about a life practice and and this concept of way we weigh and we become what we do. It forces us, that sincerity forces us to change our behavior and become something that we actually believe in. Who wouldn't want that? If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.